Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. Enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UR Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains, like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried UART sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, comes in sheets, pads, rolled and mounted boards. And we thank UART sanded paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. We also get support from Amazon Music Unlimited, and we're talking about more than just a music service here, guys. For example, you can stream the Colored Pencil podcast on your Amazon Echo device through Amazon Music. So it features 70 million songs and thousands of expert program playlists and stations. All of this is available ad-free. So to activate that free trial, just go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp welcome to sharpened artist a colored pencil podcast weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much hey there welcome back to the show my name is john middick i am your host this is the colored pencil podcast i'm so excited to welcome back to the show with me today barb sodiropoulos barb you're just like a, a regular hanging out person here right I know. I mean, you keep I'll, asking I'll me new, to come back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not get like it, I just show up and I'm a, like, get hey. a new get a new title here. <laughs> just for just to be she's hanging be clear. out. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just like, so oh, people look. don't think I'm like forcing my way into <laughs> your podcast every. <laughs> well, I just started recording, and then all of a sudden, she just appeared. I mean, it's just yeah, like, whoa, just, who's this? <laughs> I just hacked your feed, and she I'm just like, hacked hey. in here. Like, well, he might as well talk about this topic. We are talking today about making art that is authentic to you. Uh, I know a lot of times when new artists are starting out in any medium, but uh, colored pencils no different, they get caught up on this sort of thing and they it kind of plagues them and they're just like worried about it sometimes and they're trying to figure out, you know, what is my style? What? And I've even heard people say, what is my subject? Why can't I draw? Someone else is already drawing bridges or someone else is already drawing dog portraits. What can I do? Um, and so we want to talk just a little bit about carving out more of this unique uh, subject and style and uh, look to your art. And I think really the direction we want to go with this, Barb, 
is when somebody looks at your work, it would be nice for them to look at it and say, ah, that is, you know, that Ted did that. Um, you know, um, Lucy did that piece, you know, just by looking at it. They don't even have to look for your signature anymore. They know it's your work right away. Now, I do that with uh, Barb. Um, I, <laughs> I can look at your work and I can tell that that's your piece. That's funny. I would disagree with you, but I appreciate that you're saying that. <laughs> well, you're not objective in this regard. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really great point. Is that you know sometimes you are well, already you. doing it and you and <laughs> oh boy, yeah, it's going to yeah. be that kind of show, is it? <laughs> no, yeah, you I are think... you are already doing it really when you start creating work. You're developing that style. Yeah. Well, I think everybody uh, in inherently you have your own unique way of mark making, right? Like I remember when I was yeah. in uh, my first year of art school, um, one of my drawing classes, you know, we all get the same assignment to draw a certain thing. And it was always so interesting to me when everyone came back for the critique day, how different everyone's looked. And mm. there was one girl in, in my class, I remember her way of her style of drawing or the way that she she drew how it just came out of her was she would do very short kind of squiggly lines. So it was mm. a very textured look to her artwork. And I just remember thinking it was so fascinating because mm. it, it was just such a different, you know, it, I mean, that was one of the great things about being in that setting and being around so many different artists was that literally you could give everyone the same project and they would come back and all, it, it would all look so different and not even I just maybe that. what their idea was, but just even yeah. the, the mark right down to the mark making would be different. That's and, really cool. Yeah. And I think that that's something when you're talking about, you know, making art that's, that's authentic and looks like your art, um, you know, that's something you really need to almost tap into. Right. And sort yeah. of find a way to, to, amplify in a way because yeah. that 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 is the thing that then makes it yours mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely now when you start out and uh, you're brand new to uh, a medium or brand new to art and you're trying to learn something like you're say trying to learn colored pencil for instance and maybe you're brand new to art. Maybe you haven't drawn in 20 years. Maybe you didn't draw since you were a teenager or something like that. That's kind of the boat I was in. I drew a little tiny bit in my early 20s, but not much. And I painted a little bit then as well. But I came back to art. And so what did I need to do? I felt like I didn't know anything. I needed to uh, understand how to draw again. So many oil painters, uh, acrylic artists and People that work in fluid mediums, they when they come back, they learn to draw. When you're wanting to improve your painting or anything like that, you learn how to draw again. And so when I was doing that, I wasn't looking for, you know, what is my style? I wasn't uh, in anguish about, and I don't have a particular style. I was wanting to learn how to make it look, quote unquote, right or correct. Uh, representational, really, is what I was after. Now, later on, I wanted to start developing that a little bit more into something that is more unique or more static to the work that I put out. And so over time, I wanted there to be some consistency in what I'm producing. And I think that that happens naturally as well. So I guess what I'm getting to is there's a time and a place where you depart from what you're learning, from technique, 
and you go over into this realm of wanting to branch out and uh and make something your own now that being said it doesn't mean that at the beginning you shouldn't think about those things it's okay i just don't like people to get stressed out over it and to think that that is just the the number one thing to focus on i don't think that it is i think in the beginning you learn fundamentals you learn how to draw uh or paint or whatever it is and then you start creating a ton of work you start cre- uh, working a lot and you start producing and over time then you will develop a style because you are uh, an authentic person no one else is you you're the only you and it happens naturally and that's what i usually advocate for is to let that develop naturally don't force it uh, something that's contrived like that i think shows or if you're only copying i think that shows as well like if you you think that you just have to be strictly uh following uh, a teacher or strictly following a photo i think that shows also yeah, you're right in saying that. I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, there there definitely is pressure when you're first starting to sort of make sure you're just doing it right to begin with, whatever whatever right feels for you. So if, you know, if realism is your goal, right. I think a lot of times people are so focused on that, they're not really thinking about the, that other side of it. But once your skill has kind of reached a certain level, mm-hmm. I think it, it you're right, it is a natural progression. And I think that's also where experimentation is so important because I think you will naturally kind of find those things that you're drawn towards or, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you gravitate towards in terms of subject matter and that sort of thing. And I feel like, uh, you know, that, that one of the things that I see so much on, on Instagram, for example, cause I'm on there all the time <laughs> is that, you know, you'll see just people doing pet portraits, for example, and it's like, okay, but are you doing pet portraits because you want to do pet portraits and you actually love it? Or are you doing it because you think that that's what you're supposed to be doing, like right. with colored pencil, or that's the only way to be successful with colored pencil, for example, because there's that element to it too. It's not even just making art that you 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 feel like you should be making it there's that component to if you then decide to cross over to being a professional in terms of taking commissions and selling your artwork there's almost this other secondary um pressure i guess that you should be doing a certain type of artwork with with those skills and i think that that's really you know, I mean, for that matter, too, there's there's a whole other segment that are doing celebrity portraits or that yeah. sort of thing. And it's it it feels I, I wonder some. And I mean, I, I was sort of guilty of that, too, when I first started. I mean, it was partly what got me into colored pencil was seeing, you know, the different celebrity portraits and stuff like that. And it was certainly a really good way for me to yeah. learn. But I also felt like when I started getting more attention on my account for some of those pieces or people would share my artwork of a certain, you know, TV show character I had done, I felt weird about um, the attention that I was getting because I would get some additional followers and stuff like that. And I always felt like, okay, that's great that they that they liked that I drew this, but what what is separating my art from everyone else who is also doing this and and it also just felt like it i mean you know there was the real very uh 
kind of realization there that I was like, okay, I'm working from a, a from a not a copyright free photo. I know yeah, that because yeah. if I'm drawing a celebrity, right. I very clearly did not have permission to yeah. draw them. I that's just what, wanted to. Yeah, that's what started bothering me too. I drew yeah. John Lennon, and I'm like, okay, I really wasn't allowed to do that. But yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, I was doing it partly for myself and for practice and that sort yeah, of thing, yeah. but. Right, right. But I, but what I had this realization one day that I was like, I don't want to be known for that though. I yeah, don't, me too. I, I don't want to be known for, and, and certainly there are artists who have made a very good name for themselves doing that. I mean, Heather Rooney is one of them. She right, does, right. you know, there's, there's a few other that I can Justin name Moss. too. Where, yeah. Yeah. Like they do one. celebrity portraits and yeah. they, they've done very well and are very popular because of doing that, that very thing. I mean, I would argue a little bit with Justin Moss. He has such a unique style that that, that is also, it's not that he is just doing the same, he's not doing the same type of rendering that every single other person out there is doing. So no, he's that not. is I helping mean, it's, set it's him very, apart. Very unique to himself, but he's doing yeah. celebrity portraits, which For sure. I, I, I tell people not to do that. I mean, if, 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 I mean, we all do it at the beginning, like you said, to yeah. learn. I mean, it, it's yeah. easy to draw something, draw a subject matter that everyone recognizes, and then yeah. you can get a real critique on that kind of thing that's that's something i think we all do it seems like yeah and as a side note to that it's also a good practice in you know usually celebrities were very familiar with their faces and so um when you're learning how to draw portraits and that sort of thing it can actually almost be a little bit more more rewarding because you have a better yeah. sense of whether you've drawn it accurately or not because right. you're so familiar with that person's face but yeah. um Anyways, that, that, that said, like my point with that was also that, you know, I just, I really started to feel weird about it. Cause mm -hmm. I just, I felt like I'm like, well, this isn't, this is not how I want to make my name. I, I know that I am capable of doing artwork that has more creative intention and sort of different subject matter. And, and I didn't want to just be lumped in with everyone else doing the same thing. Like, yes, right. there are people within that category that are, that are standing out or have made more of a name for themselves, but it just felt like, to me, it felt like, and there, and uh, there's nothing wrong if this is what, you know, makes you happy in life. Yeah. But, for, yeah. but for me, I just felt like I didn't want to just be lumped in as another person kind of doing that same subject matter. So I yeah. really made yeah. a conscious decision to start veering away from doing that type of work and, and trying to explore what kind of work I did want to do and, and what, what kind of art felt right to me, because, you know, I just, I, I think that's as an artist, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're an artist that is trying to, I guess, be an artist in the true sense of the word that that's part of the experience. And that's part of what you're trying to do, right? Like you're trying to kind of make your mark or, or have your, your personal, stamp on the type of work that you're putting out there. I mean, if you're a hobbyist and you just enjoy, you know, the process of copying a photograph and, and making that into reality using a certain medium, that's fine too. But I think what we're kind of focusing on is more the people that are actually, you know, trying to drive forward from a creative perspective with this as well. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium premium sanded paper. And we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast.
you're a colored pencil artist, and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is, except for that one. And you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have. Now, some colored pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHallArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you can download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. Primarily today, we're talking to that person who wants to develop their own unique style. And I, I know that's not the shoe that fits every listener today. So, But I'm glad you're along here with us in this ride anyway. Sorry, I was going to oh, say, go I think ahead. it's important, though, anyways, because even if you may not be in that place now, you might be later in your yeah, art journey. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you may not always want to just kind of be in one spot. Yeah, fair point. All right. <laughs> so um, let's talk then for a moment. I, I go through this in uh, the Beginner's Colored Pencil course that I have available over in the Sharpened Artist Academy. And my primary drive in that entire course is to help a new artist to the medium of colored pencil to create their own unique art and create art that is authentic uh, to you and not rely on, say, a photo from Unsplash. You know, now, I, there's nothing wrong with using a photo from Unsplash, but I, I'm just saying that there, there comes a time, I believe, in many artists' development in their journey where that's just not going to cut it anymore. And they want something a little bit more. They want to start creating art that um, they were the uh, originator of the reference. And so they had full control over the creative process from beginning to end. And that's really who we're targeting today. And that's really who we're talking to today. So if that's you, um, then we've got some tips here that I think will help quite a bit. One thing is, when you take full control of that entire process um, and you're not used to doing it and it's brand new to you, it can feel a little scary and you may want to reach out and ask someone. I mean, that's the tendency that we have is like, I don't know if this is going to be, you know, quote unquote, good enough. I don't know if really I can rely on, you know, this photo I just took or something. Or what if people don't really care for this? Um, but what I would argue then is if you're feeling that way, go ahead and put that work out there and do it anyway. If it's something that really matters to you, it means something to you, or it's something that really resonates with you and you want to show this art and express it in the way that you chose with whatever medium you chose, then go ahead and do it. And don't worry about whatever the feedback might be from that art. Uh, go ahead and do at least two or three in that particular subject or style or whatever it is. And just kind of let that sit out there and, uh, and just, you know, see what happens. You don't know until you try that. 
Um, it can feel scary though. And I, I'll be one of the first to admit that that can feel scary to not just do the floating head dog or the floating head cat or the floating head person or something. Uh, or, you know, draw the, the, um, quintessential apple or whatever, you know, that can feel scary to branch out and go out on a limb and say, I don't really want to do that. I want to draw something else. I don't know. I can't, I, I, I'm not thinking here today, Barb, but something else, you know, I would fill in the blank here. Maybe I want to do mailboxes. Let's, let's do that. I want to do mailboxes because I used to be a mail carrier and I don't know. I'm out of ideas here, but you get the point. Go ahead and do those things. And I'm going to be one of your biggest cheerleaders if I find that you're doing something like that. I remember a friend of mine did one of the, um, he, he drew a colored pencil piece of a, uh, power meter on the side of, side of a building. Uh, something out back, you know, behind buildings where you don't go. You know, you don't see the facade on the front that's supposed to look beautiful and alluring to get you to go into the store. You drive around the back because you're the delivery person or something. Well, there are meters back there, right? And uh, they're not supposed to be attractive. And he drew that. And my goodness, it was so attractive. It was just beautiful. And the lighting and the shading and all of that. And um, I was thinking, man, he could keep doing that. He could, he should just keep doing a whole bunch of those because they were, they were just so... It was so awesome, and it, it made me think about that subject matter in a way that I haven't, you know, I didn't think about it before. And uh, that's what that's what uh, good art does. I mean, it, it it's a language. It helps us to know something that we didn't know before. But I think we do get into that rut of just thinking, oh, everyone else is doing this. I might as well do this. And what I want to say is you don't have to do that. You can go out on a limb. And you can do things that are different and uh, just see what might happen. I mean, we all like Roman Greek sculptures, right? We like to look at, you know, the the, the antiquities. Uh, we've, we've dug up all these um, and uncovered all of these uh, marble sculptures and, and they're white, right? But um, back when they were uh, strategically planted around cities, uh, they were not white. They were painted and they were decorated. They were adorned. They were fake eyelashes sometimes. Uh, clothing were on them and things like that. But when today, when we see them, we think of this white statue and that's that's what that's supposed to look like and that kind of thing. But, you know, recently uh, we found out that, oh, in fact, you know, they were they were painted and they were to look a certain way, like lifelike and things like that. I guess my point about that is that, you know, what we have in our head uh, and, and thinking something may have to be, it just has to be this certain way. It, it really doesn't have to be that certain way. And in colored pencil, we don't have to have it all looking like hyper realism or this highly rendered, tight rendered art. You can do something different. That's yeah, my encouragement. <laughs> Definitely. I think there's a lot of room for experimentation. And, you know, we, we've talked about before how colored pencils, in some ways, still kind of a new medium. I mean, yeah, I know it's been it around for a while, but just in terms of, you know, I, I don't know that I see those that level of restriction on other mediums. Like when I think about acrylic painting, I, you know, it's not like you're seeing the same subject matters out of acrylic painters mm -hmm. or the same style coming from acrylic painters. There's right. this you know, there's a vast 
vast difference of the type of art that's created with it. And I think yeah. there's, you know, there's definitely people in color pencil doing that too, or they're, they have different um, styles and approaches to it. But I think that's something, um, you know, people need to be willing to let themselves explore with. And I would also say too, uh, don't be afraid to fail the few, first few times you try something different. I think sometimes, you know, when you're trying a different subject matter, you, you were saying, you know, for some people it can be kind of scary, but I think part of that is because they're, they're afraid to fail. Right. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah. and so, you know, the first couple pieces you might do may not be the exact vision you had in your head. And, and right. part of that is, is to kind of keep pushing it and, and keep, you know, uh, moving forward with it. And for some people, you know, they, they'll do really well if they have, say, like a mentor helping them with that. Somebody who has a little bit more experience that can kind of help guide them or sort of give them uh, an objective opinion on sort of where they're going with their work or kind of help them talk through some of the creative ideas they have. And I mean, that, right. again, I, you know, I speak a lot about my experience in art school, but that was one of the things that was really valuable for me is just having access to somebody who was so, you know, a professional who was experienced, who had kind of like, you know, been through these trials and tribulations, either with their own artwork or through their client work or that sort of thing, where they were able to kind of give feedback on, you know, how do you push this idea farther? How do you, mm -hmm. you know, be more creative with this? How do you start establishing a style? Like specifically where I went to school, it was more illustration focused, just the program that I was in. But I mean, illustration is like a great example of, of, um, you know, a segment of kind of the graphic arts industry where your style and, and the, the way that you create images is, could be the thing you get hired for. Like if somebody is looking for, you know, something that's a very watercolor style or really derivative looking, you know, characters or whatever, like that kind of thing could be exactly what someone's looking for. And, and to some extent for you as an artist, if you're going to take commissions, that could be the thing that gets you commissioned. Like I think for example, pet portraits, you know, we're bringing that example up a lot, but I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, at a glance, there are a lot of pet portrait artists where you can't tell the difference on a, on a glance again, yeah, I'm trying to upset right. anyone here, but on a glance, very similar techniques, very similar executions, similar crops, similar layouts. And, and well, well the that same way be, with some of the flowers and laces yeah. and things like yeah. that, you know, as and, well. and, and yeah. for sure. And that may be what, you know, certain consumers are looking for, but for mm -hmm. my, for me personally, you know, if I saw somebody doing, a pet portrait where it was maybe more of an illustrated style or something that would actually catch more of my attention because I feel, I feel like, Oh, well, that's different. That's, mm -hmm. that's like, and you, know, when you're talking about standing out in, especially now where the online community for this sort of thing is so saturated, it's like, yeah, how do you stand out from everyone else? Like if, if your goal is to just create art that looks like someone else's, that's one thing. But yeah. if you're really trying to, you know, find your own path and, and establish what your artwork looks like. That's, that's something to start experimenting with and really try to find a way to, to find that path because, because otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's easy to be a copyist or it's easy yeah. to just adapt someone else's techniques and, and sort of kind of create similar artwork, but you just have to decide for yourself if that's what you really want. And if it is, that's fine. But if it's mm -hmm. not, then there are things you can do to sort of push forward with that. Yeah. And like like we said, I mean, in the beginning, I think that's a, a great way to go. And if you're wanting to experiment, 
I think it's a great way to go is to uh, follow someone's technique and to copy uh, that technique to learn from it, not to yeah. become uh, a forever copyist. Uh, that's, you know, that's an entirely different thing. And I, I just don't think that you'll be satisfied doing that long term. There's nothing wrong at the beginning with doing that. But long term, I just don't think that you're going to be as satisfied when you do that. You know, somebody emailed me um, maybe a few months ago, but they were talking about how that they are seeing that the winners, I don't know how they calculated this. And I don't know how many shows they looked at, but they, they looked at a lot of shows in colored pencil uh, is what they claimed. And they said that um, they noticed that the winners of these juried shows uh, are, have a black background. And uh, and then that that there's usually some area that is extremely bright, and uh, there's like this wide range, you know, of of uh, values. And then they also notice that uh, they're extremely representational, like they're hyper realism. I think is what they they labeled it as. Uh, I would argue a little bit with that that kind of thing. But anyway, they, the point is. Did they have a spreadsheet as well? They probably did. They didn't share that with me, but 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 I do think it's a, I would an love interesting. To see them if they did, yeah, I would too. I think it's an interesting observation, though, at least from that person's perspective, um, is that these this is the artwork in colored pencil from their perspective that is winning all the awards. Uh, why is that? You know, and you know, I mean. Maybe that may be anecdotal. Maybe that's correct. I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't have a spreadsheet. I didn't go and look at every, um, you know, show online or off that has been conducted over the past 20, 25 years or however long this medium has had some bigger recognition. But, um, but what I would say is, you know, uh, depending on what your goals are, and if your goals are to win shows, I guess keeping a spreadsheet and tracking that kind of thing is maybe a good thing. On the other hand, for the rest of, for most of us, I think, if your goal is to create art that matters to you and to create art that you like and you care about and you want to express, then don't worry about that. Create that art, improve in your craft, get better and better every time, and you will just by doing it, right? And that work, I believe, will float to the top. If it's good work and if there's some meaning behind it, it'll float to the top. It will get recognition in time. Just keep doing it. Keep your head down. Keep doing it. And uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn out all right. The biggest takeaway I have, Barb, today is that put in the reps, you know. Um, it's hard to do. It takes a lot of time and effort. But don't think, and it's a long game. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And don't think, okay, this year I'm going to grab, I'm going to get my 50 pieces together. Instead, think, okay, this year maybe I'll create four, maybe I'll create 10, uh, or whatever you have time for, depending on your amount of time you have to dedicate to this. But that's one of the things that will help you to develop your particular uh, style. And branch out and experiment like Barb alluded to there as well. I love that. I think those are two really solid pieces of advice to carry with you and to go forward with. Don't you, Barb? Yeah, um, I mean. Repetition I, and branching oh, totally. out and experimenting. 
Totally. I mean, the repetition thing, I don't think can be stated enough. Right. Um, that's, that's why I, there's no, uh, I think I said this in one of my Instagram posts recently, but there's no, there's no repetition, sorry, there's no substitute for putting in the work. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, if you're trying to achieve anything, if you were trying to lose weight, if you were trying to whatever, like there's no shortcut and there's no shortcut with art either. Like, right. yes, there are going to be people who, Maybe get there a little bit quicker for whatever reasons, but generally speaking, those people are still putting in some sort of time and effort to to do that. Mm-hmm. And what I would say with that too is that, you know, be conscious of the fact that you're not always seeing that work happening. So it may just seem like one day somebody's got it all figured out, but there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes that you just aren't seeing or failed attempts or, right. you know, I... I try my best to always try to make something work, but I've got pieces that I've abandoned just because I'm like, yes, it's not working. Like, oh, we all you know, do. And, and we all do. Yeah. And I don't or care who it is. Everyone does. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes too, you know, you'll, what I really find has been valuable for me and my exploration and my, and my um, kind of journey in terms of the creativity in my artwork has been my sketchbook stuff. So, mm-hmm. I usually will participate in at least one 30 day art challenge um, during the year. And so those are usually prompt based. So it's a, it's a set of words that are predetermined by whoever's running the challenge. And I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to push myself creatively when I'm, when I'm doing those, those drawings based on those words. So whether that's, you know, some words have dual meanings, like there'll, there'll be two different definitions for the mm-hmm. word. So I'll pick and choose what I think, you know, the, the which which definition will give me the most opportunity for creativity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what happens in those pieces is I'll come up with something and I'll be like, oh, you know what? I think I might want to use this concept later in some of my other artwork, or I might want to do something with this somehow later. And what's great about that is because you're doing it in a sketchbook and because it's smaller and it's like almost a study. Um, it gives you that freedom to explore and just to do it and kind of not not be so uh, married to the fact that you're like, well, this is this big piece and it has to be perfect and it has to be whatever. It's like, no, yeah. like do those experiments in smaller ways and it'll it'll help give you the confidence or help you sort of brainstorm visually to what you can then do with them later. And that's that's a big part of the process when you're trying to figure that out. And I would say too, you know, like with, uh, you know, if you're trying to figure out what your thing is or what your subject matter is, you know, you brought up the example of your friend who was doing the, um, the, the meter boxes or whatever, like what, what is it that interests you? I mean, sit down and and write some things down. Like, is it, you know, for example, even if it is something that's a typical subject matter, like flowers, okay, what is it about flowers that interests you and, and how can you look at it and, and take a different approach to it or you know what is it something about your use of color is it something about you know i i brought up the example in a previous podcast with cecile baird she does like these beautiful still lifes and she found a way to take a still life of something and make it so unique to her Mm -hmm. she found a way to you know wither through lighting or whatever it is that she's doing to sort of you know, find, um, a way that, that, that makes it unique. And that's, and that's, it it can even just be a small thing at first while you're still figuring it out. But those kind of things you can build upon them as you go, but just, you know, even if I I think I was saying to you, you know, if your thing is science, if you love science, like find, find a way to create art 
about, you know, the subject matter of science. So what specifically about science interests you? Is it something to do with molecules? Well, is there artwork you can create that, that shows concepts of that somehow? Like there's, there's ways to dig deeper into the things that interest you. And it, I, I would argue too, it's just so much more rewarding when you're creating art from this place mm-hmm. that, you know, and we're talking about authenticity. Like if that's something that really gets you excited, chances are there's somebody else out there who's going to be excited about it too. And maybe it's going to be a smaller audience, but you'll, I think you'll feel better when you're kind of making art or you'll enjoy the experience of making art more when you're making art that feels like it's something that you want to say, or it's a subject matter that interests you as opposed to making art that you think people want to see. Yeah. That that was a long rant. Sorry. (laughs) No, that was really good. No, thank you. That was, that was awesome. No, I think that's I think that's right, and the biggest thing I think is um, what you said about keeping a sketchbook. You know, keep a sketchbook or two for a variety of reasons. You know, you don't have to have one sketchbook dedicated to um, you know. Okay, in this sketchbook, I'm going to uh, work on freehand skills. You could do that. You say on this other one. I'm going to do small studies where I complete the study and I work on range of values on this one. On another one, you're just working on contour lines. You know, you could do it all in the same sketchbook or you could have two or three or four uh, for different purposes if you wanted to. It's one way of doing it. I, I did that. I got up to about three different sketchbooks and um, and then it got a little confusing and it, and it was like, for me, it was just, it was just too much at the time. I had too many other things going on also. But my, my point is that all of those things help you to level up and it helps you to emerge rather. And all these other things, uh, fade away back into the background where they belong because technique is one thing. Learning how to represent something. Uh, to make it look recognizable. Okay, let's use that term by a viewer. That's one thing. But style uh, and consistency across your pieces is an entirely, can be an entirely different thing. There's nothing I don't believe that's going to help you more than that repetition like we've been talking about, and we're being repetitive by mentioning it, I guess. <laughs> but the sketchbook is the mechanism for getting you there. It can get you there quicker because like Barbie said, doing these small studies is so much faster and you're learning when you do that than trying to do something very, very large. And I feel like we just talked about that even recently on on a different podcast, but I think it still is true even with style that if you're, you know, relegating this down to something small, in a sketchbook, then you're going to put in those reps, which in turn leads to this style emerging. And you're not thinking about every single time, oh, I'm working on my style right now, but you're thinking about something else, you know, and then what will emerge the byproduct, if you will, is style or the uniqueness that you're after. Yeah. And I think there's this, this perfectionism that a lot of artists have where they're so 
afraid to to do something because they just feel like, well, yeah. if I don't do it right this time and it fails, then I can't do it or whatever. And yeah, and uh, I mean, I get it to some extent. You know, when you're using expensive art materials, you don't uh, want to feel yeah. like you wasted something. I, right. I totally get that, but that's why I'm such an advocate for sketchbooks. I mean, it's funny mm -hmm. because when I was a kid. You know, I, all I had was sketchbooks to do artwork in. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, my sister used to joke all the time that she would notoriously be the one that always had unfinished artwork. And I would always have to, like, do a fully rendered, finished drawing <laughs> in each page. But in doing that, and it, it's we're so different that way. But it's funny because, you know, for the longest time, I had a hard time with doing sketchbook work because I felt like it always had to be finished. It had to be a proper finished drawing every single time. And even in college, we were, we were encouraged to, you know, keep a sketchbook and do that. I think I filled one in my entire four years. I had a classmate of mine that filled 13, like both sides mm, of the pages, yeah. like a, yeah. you know, a nine by 12 sketchbook kind of thing. He was crazy, but <laughs> crazy in a good way. But like, yeah. I just, you know, I, I wasn't able, uh, I wasn't able to achieve that level of, you know, commitment and work. But the thing is, when you saw his work, it was so evident that he was putting in that time. Like yeah. his work was just, so far and above a lot of, you know, our classmates that it was like, right. well, obviously whatever he's doing is working. I mean, he was ma basically making sketchbooking his full-time job as well. Yeah, but, really. But, but, you know, you don't necessarily need to go to that extreme. I guess that the value in it is just, again, what we were saying about having that safe place to make mistakes, to do experiments, to try and figure something out, to half render something, to yeah. not worry so much about all the external things of like, you know, using expensive pieces of paper or pencils. Like I specific, I mean, I have almost every colored pencil out there. I don't have all of them, but I have a lot of them <laughs> and I use the ones that are, you know, not the, the high end, you know, super light fast ones. I yeah. use those for my sketchbook work. Right. I use them, you know, to do those experiments and that sort of thing, because it gives me the freedom and to explore and not have that pressure of feeling like, Oh, well, I just wasted this or whatever. Yeah. Like anything you do in a sketchbook is never going to be a waste. And if you start right. to look at it as, uh, you know, if you, if you start look, look at it with a, like a positive attitude in the sense of this is where I'm doing my exploring. This is mm -hmm. my, this is where the real work is happening. You'll eventually see that translate into your bigger pieces. Yeah. Very, very true. Love it. All right. Any closing thoughts? I, I, I think this has uh, been a, a good discussion. I, I can't yeah. think of anything else that uh, comes to mind at the moment. Um, I just wanted to say thanks to Dean for the suggestion on this episode. I had done a, a post on Instagram kind of talking about my own experience with wanting to make authentic art. And he had yeah. suggested that we do a podcast on it. Apparently, if you want a podcast made, you just need to come to me and I'll make John do it. <laughs> that's, that's how that's how you get your requests. There, in. there we go. <laughs> no, thank you, Dean. R really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, so I keep try to keep my uh, ear to the rail. And uh, yeah, if you do have uh, podcast suggestions, you can always email podcast at sharpenedartist.com. Or just reach out to Barb, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm also too. taking suggestions. <laughs> no, I love it. I love hearing what you all want uh, discussed. So it means a lot. And uh, so in closing, I, I do want to highlight a customer review of the podcast. Uh, I feel like I don't do this, so I'm going to start doing it. And uh, big, big thanks to Jaya242. Uh, who left a podcast review. She says, 
She or he says, excellent podcast, always inspirational, and I look forward to it every single week. The quality of the content is fantastic as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you left that review. That means a lot. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I would encourage you to leave a review, preferably over on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you get your podcast. And by the way, you can listen to uh, the podcast on Amazon. You can listen to it on your Echo device. You can listen to it on uh, Amazon Music. You can listen to it on Stitcher. Um, um, I, I couldn't name them all, but uh, just about I- anywhere that uh, you can listen to podcasts at all, you can listen to the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. And if you find that I'm not on a player, all you got to do is let me know and I'll make it happen. So, all right. I also want to say this, that if there wasn't, um, you know, the earbuds in your ears right now, if there wasn't a speaker playing the podcast right now and if there if if you did not exist you're listening right now i want you to know that means a lot to me uh, a lot because there wouldn't be a show without you listening and you know this show uh, has been going on for a long time this month though barb we're about the middle of the month and i i shared this with barb the other day because i was just so flabbergasted by this um so this show reached a new milestone. It was just something that was incredible to me. Uh, now it's passed over. Um, it's nearly to 12,000 downloads um, towards the middle of the month now. And uh, it's just amazing to me. Uh, and it's because of you guys. You're listening to the show. You're sharing it and spreading the word and making suggestions like you did even with this show. And I really appreciate that. Barb, big thanks to you as well. Thank you for being on here again. Really oh, appreciate it. my pleasure. It. Awesome. I'm All just, right, guys. I'm just here hanging out every week. Hanging out. She <laughs> hacked in here again this time. <laughs> All right. Same time, same place next week, Monday morning, 3 a.m. And until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.